0: Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist, thriller writers, and conversation about women who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Lane Fargo, and I am here with Kristen LaPianca only this week. Hello. We are going to talk about witches without Wendy, um, (laughs) and we will not put a hex on her for not being here. She was busy tonight. (laughs) No, it's
1: it's fine. No hard feelings. (laughs) Um, So what have you been up to since last we spoke? Well... um... One thing that I've been really excited about lately is, because this is October and all things scary and ghosty, um, I have an essay in an anthology that's coming out next year. Uh, It's called Private Investigations, Mystery Writers on the Mysteries of Life. And my story is a true ghost story. I cannot wait to read that. It's very exciting to me that my ghost story will finally be told. It is 100% true. Um, So... Yeah, that's what I've been uh, thinking about. So what about you?
0: Um, Well, I went to a really amazing book event a few nights ago um, for the, the novel The Grace Year by Kim Liggett. Have you heard of this book? Yes, I have. I haven't read it, though. It's incredible. I, re- I read an arc and then like promptly mailed it off to a friend of mine who loved it like even more than I did. And I loved it a lot. It's incredible. <laughs> um, so she is on tour and she did a stop at Women and Children First in Chicago, which is my favorite bookstore where I did my launch. Um, and she had a... Panel with a number of other YA authors, so it was Samira Ahmed, uh, Jasmine Warga, and Libba Bray, who are all friends oh, wow. of hers. Yeah, and it was just a really incredible conversation. Um, they talked a lot about rage and feminism, like all our favorite, <laughs> all our favorite <laughs> things. Like for me, the quote of the night was Samira was talking about um, like the you know anger in, in her book and uh, in internment and just in her work in general. And she was just like, "I like my rage," and I was like, <laughs> "Yes." <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. But honestly, the greatest thing about that event was just watching all these women like hype each other up and support each other. Um, which is really like the gracier is kind of about young women learning to work together instead of competing um nice (laughs) by the rules of the patriarchy so yeah it's a really great book and i think by the time this episode airs it'll probably be a new york times bestseller i'm just gonna call that right
1: now (laughs) (laughs) you heard it here first people
0: (laughs) (laughs) well not here first i like it's so good and it's already being made into a movie by elizabeth banks and yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be huge but that event was just like incredible and inspiring and so glad i i went
1: (laughs) awesome.
0: So yes, today's topic is witches, which uh like we have so many thoughts on witches. Like I don't even know where to fucking start.
1: <laughs> so many thoughts. Like my desk is literally overflowing with books and zines and all kinds of shit that I want to talk about. Basically, I wish that having a podcast was just like shoving books at people like i, I wish there was a <laughs> kind way of what that, we do around here <laughs> well i mean i wish there was a way that we could like physically thrust the books through the podcast at a person i don't <laughs> think that's possible yet not yet um not yet but maybe someday mm-hmm. yes
0: so what is your kind of personal relationship to the witches and witchcraft because i feel like as you know grown-up goths we all are on this podcast like we all have some sort of connection to witchcraft however tenuous so like what has that been for you
1: so uh one thing I would say is the idea of like the witch as sort of the outsider and the other is something Mm -hmm. that I have always very much identified with like there are so many movies where like I mean, just for example, The Wizard of Oz. Yes, it's a wonderful movie. But, like, The Wicked Witch of the West is the best character, of, of course. course. You know, she's amazing. And it's just, like, that, that energy that I don't give a fuck. I'm mm-hmm. going to do what I want. It's, like, that's something that I have always wanted to channel as much as possible. Because, like, I feel like, as women, we are supposed to give a fuck as much as possible. Like, we're supposed to uh, care too much. And, like, when you see a woman behaving in an unruly way not giving a fuck doing whatever she wants it's like wow i didn't know you could do that so i feel like witches are kind of um like way before i knew what feminism was like you can identify these types of characters in you know books and movies where it's like that energy is like Mm -hmm. the first little bit of feminism that you get when you're like a kid watching a disney movie you know you're watching the little mermaid and you're like ursula whoa (laughs)
0: Ursula is the fucking best. Oh, my God. Ursula. She's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like we, there are those of us who grew up like rooting for the evil women and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how we turned out like this. Right. Exactly. The evil women in Disney movies.
1: Yes. Um, so, yeah, I would say that like, you know, witches were kind of like the first bite-sized bit of feminism that I ever like got and understood. Um, but on a more like current level, now that I am well versed in all manners of feminism and whatnot, um, I really think that there is something empowering in the idea of like knowing your own power and being able to sort of draw that in whether or not you are I mean, no one I'm not like shooting spells out of my eyeballs or anything, but being able to use my own power to sort of make myself feel calmer or more centered is Mm -hmm. uh very valuable i think
0: yeah so for me when i was growing up i mean first of all i've mentioned before i was raised in an extremely conservative christian household where like I wasn't allowed to watch Sleeping Beauty because she called on the powers of hell. Like, <laughs> this is the situation. Okay, Got it. Um, so, of course, I grew up to be a teenage goth. Of course you did. <laughs> Which, um, in my small town, because everyone was so boring, um, like, really, I wore black lipstick one time and everyone was like, oh, my God, you're a goth. And i was like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not a huge cutoff that's, that's what um, happens
1: in Ohio. Like... You own black lipstick and you're labeled a goth forever, I guess.
0: Forever. Um, So it was more of an aesthetic thing and like a rebellious thing for me, like Mm -hmm. wearing all black and like combat boots and weird jewelry and Black lipstick and dye my hair weird colors and all that stuff um, it was definitely more aesthetic like I wasn't doing any actual spells or anything because um, even though by the time I was in high school I was totally an atheist I like, <laughs> still probably feared the devil a little bit because right you know, when you're raised that way <laughs> oh yeah it never never goes away um, so like one of the formative experiences for me um in my fascination with witches was watching the movie the craft at a slumber party at a friend's house Mm because like i was not allowed to watch that at my house right (laughs) so when was the last time you saw this movie
1: i'm pretty sure that it was like two or three years ago i caught it on television and i was like whoa
0: yeah yeah because i i think women around our age who are like current or former goths uh, are very into this movie and have kind of claimed it as this like feminist movie. And I just watched it the other night and it is not fucking feminist at all. <laughs> it's actually really bad. And I was <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I had to I had to, like, come to terms with that a little bit as I was rewatching it. I was like, I'm going to watch The Craft and take notes for the podcast. And then I was just like getting more and more angry while I was watching.
1: Oh, it. no. Tell me about your notes.
0: Um. So. Well, first of all, like the the style is still amazing. Feruza Balk still like a major crush of mine, like definitely <laughs> part of my bisexual awakening. Right, for sure. right, for sure. For sure. Um, but this movie it's about four young girls, like teenagers, who discover that they have magical powers, um, and then like use them <laughs> in various ways. Uh, but it's written and directed by men and like oh god you can tell (laughs) basically these girls get power and they use it to like change their hair color and make boys like them and then they start like fighting amongst themselves and it turns into this
1: giant like like black magic cat 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 fight yeah exactly but what really
0: struck me this time around was the fact that the deity that they're calling on is like coded as male and the way that they talk about the male deity is very like like disturbingly sexual oh. <laughs> they're like they're like fill me up oh yes oh. you know. <laughs> no. and i was just like so it's like they're getting their power from this male deity and then using it in ways that like the middle-aged white men i presume who wrote and directed this movie like what they imagine teenage girls would do with this kind of power like it's so inauthentic it's so it's like offensive honestly and yeah uh, the uh
1: the idea of like gaining this power and using it to like make boys fall in love with you is it's just it's very like
0: i don't know I mean, like the movie shitty
1: boys yeah
0: <laughs> like imagine having magical powers and wasting them on skeet
1: ulrich like, right imagine who would do that <laughs> i don't know who would it's do that so on like like the, the the resident like s- sleazy dude of 90s movies like Ugh. why just why um, so
0: disappointing yes. um, but yeah so I still like really dig the, the aesthetic of that movie but yeah it is it it made me think a lot about the things that I claimed as empowering because like there was nothing better available <laughs> you know
1: right. what I mean? yeah that's a really good point because there really wasn't like there is something there's something groundbreaking I, I guess about the idea of like here's this dark movie about Mm -hmm. girls becoming powerful and harnessing their power but like that seemed new and fresh and cool but it's actually just like a guy's version of what girls would like to buy a ticket for I guess
0: yeah yeah the male gaze is all over it and it's just so reductive um but it seemed at the time you know when I was watching this when I was a teenager it was so like subversive and they were all Dark and powerful and unruly and all that stuff that that we love but yeah now I can look at it as an adult and see how Sh- like what a shallow representation of power it was. Yes. Um, yeah. But they are remaking it. Um, oh, with I didn't a know that. Female writer director. So really. Yes. Um. I Zoe Lister Jones. I think her name is. And the production company is uh Blumhouse Jordan Peele's production. Company. Oh,
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: So I'm really excited to see what they do with it because, like, as I was watching it, I was thinking, this is such a cool setup for a story. But I want to see like a woman's
1: take on this right oh my gosh I'm so excited when is that going to be real I don't know I think
0: maybe next year um pretty soon oh. it's like in kind of pre-production I think nice. like they've announced some casting okay. and um so hopefully that'll be good or even if it's not good hopefully it'll at least be like actually feminist right of <laughs> bullshit male gaze feminism
1: right right it's so interesting though that like sort of both of us talked about the empowering quality of of witches like they are very much themselves they own Mm -hmm. themselves like it's like that sort of self-possession that's very appealing especially when you're like sort of a teen girl who feels lost in the world like you're like i want to own my power like that Mm -hmm. um so yeah and now
0: my relationship to witchcraft is still like the aesthetic fascination and i do um (laughs) I call like minor witchcraft or lazy witchcraft <laughs> where uh, I'll like, you know, like candles for the full moon and burn Palo Santo and have like crystals mm-hmm. around my office, but I don't really do like actual spells or anything, but it's definitely something I'm fascinated with. And that um, like what you were saying about using it to kind of calm yourself and center yourself. Like I find mm-hmm. it very grounding, even if there's not like, actual <clears throat> magic behind it.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and I would also like to add that, Sort of last year, um, a very, very bad thing happened to me that that we do not talk about. It is just mm-hmm. known as the bad thing. Um, it was a bad thing related to court, and at that time, when I was sort of feeling like there is absolutely nothing I can do about the situation, um, I got I kind of got through it by doing tons of research into like the different correspondences of various herbs and colors as related to justice and truth. Mm. Um, there's sort of a whole area of me- metaphysical belief about justice and court and honesty. Uh, it's really, really interesting. And uh, like you said, like, I don't know that there's any magic behind it, but if you know, if chamomile is an herb that is meant to promote justice, then sure, I'm going to drink a cup of chamomile tea before court, you know. yeah. So, that kind of thing. Did you
0: Put a spell on anyone who might have deserved it,
1: who will remain nameless. No, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll just if say you did, I support you. We'll just say that everything turned out fine. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> so whatever you did worked. Yes, exactly. Uh, Justice well, was served. But one thing that I found real, to be really interesting, um, there's the idea of a honey jar. Have you heard about this? Mm-mm. So um, the idea of a honey jar is basically like to draw um sweetness towards you okay and in the world of you know this metaphysical sort of correspondences there's this idea of like fill a jar with honey write a person's name on a piece of paper put it in the honey and there's some other things that you might sprinkle in there and it's just like sort of this idea of like i'm putting it out there in the universe that i want this person to only have good thoughts about me nothing bad um Hmm. And there's just something really calming about the act of doing that. It's like, obviously, uh, you can't expect that a jar of honey is going to like magically change someone's mind. But like it can change your own perception of the experience. And it's very like empowering in the sense of like, I can't do anything about the situation, but I can do something about how I feel right now.
0: Yeah, I think it's it. To me it's almost like meditation. Yeah. It's just like a an object to focus on as part of your meditation because exactly. I'm real bad at like normal meditating where I'm just supposed to clear my mind. But if I can sit and look at a candle or a crystal or something that helps me focus.
1: Yeah, exactly. I can't I can't just like sit and have no thoughts. I have to I have to have oh. some kind of thoughts. My goodness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's why we became writers. We have too many thoughts. Way too many. So one of my other favorite uh, books about witchcraft that I read recently is Waking the Witch by Pamela Grossman. I know you've read that as well. Yes, so good. I have to shout out. Um, it was edited by my editor, Kate Dresser. So, shout oh, out
1: to nice! Kate. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: And I was in her office in New York, like the week before this book came out, and I saw like a finished copy, and I was just like, "Can I have that?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I like f- I like fangirled out really hard, and then I was reading it on the like New Jersey Transit train back to the New York airport. <laughs> That's amazing. It's
1: amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's such a good book. I, I especially, I love like the tagline reflections on women, magic, and power. Just mm-hmm. all of the, what we were just talking about. Um, and it's just this really beautiful collection of essays about those things. Um, so yeah.
0: yeah, she kind of goes through history and popular culture and all these different depictions of witches and witchcraft and how they uh, reveal the anxieties of the times, essentially. Um, And what I love, she says, the witch is the ultimate feminist icon because she is a fully rounded symbol of female oppression and liberation. Mm. Yes. She she talks about the difference between like calling yourself a witch and having someone call you a witch. (laughs) (laughs) Very different things. Very Um, different things. But yeah, I think that's so interesting because it is like we obviously have... Claimed it, reclaimed it, whatever, as this positive, empowering thing. But it's also been used throughout history. I mean, women have been executed over this, obviously. Yes. Persecuted and all that, and um, but now, and I, you know, still in parts of the world that happened.
1: Yeah. The like the history is incredibly interesting. I feel like I could read about, um, like sort of the historical implications of witch hunting or the burning times or whatever you'd like to call it. Um, I have this really interesting zine here in front of me from um, Jessica Cappanegro and Snake Hair Press. It's called Witches in Print, How the Patriarchy Weaponized the Printing Press to Silence Independent Women. Ooh. And it's really, really interesting because um, so like all throughout the – you the history of the world there have been like people who believed in magic or people who believed in whatever religion to some extent is magic as well um but mm-hmm. things kind of went a little crazy in like the 1400s which interestingly coincided with the invention of the printing press um and there is this book called hammer of witches which is basically like a guide for people to find and kill witches (laughs) and this book was um like only second in popularity to the bible for multiple centuries like this was a book that sat on judges you know benches like this was like a a document that people used as like evidence of something. And it was all nonsense. It was all complete Mm -hmm. nonsense. Um, Just like the Bible. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But, you know, it's estimated like the estimates are all over the place, but like historians generally say like 40 to 60,000 people were executed for witchcraft. And most of them were women, not all, but most, Um, most were single women or widows or women who are just on the fringes of society in some way like a a a folk healer or um a a brew a brewster an alewife, the whole beer brewing thing have you heard about how sort of there's like this school of thought that like women in the middle ages who brewed beer which like everyone had to brew beer because you couldn't drink the water you'd die so you had Mm -hmm. to have it be beer um there's a lot of like anecdotal evidence that these women who were brewsters um were sort of like the stereotypical witch with the pointy black hat and the black cat like these this this symbolism sort of is attached Mm. also to the women who would brew beer which is really interesting and everything exactly and like the pointy black hat was so that like you could see like you could so you could spot someone at a market to go find them to buy beer from like it's one of those things where there's not like it's not in your history books kids but like there's a lot of anecdotal evidence about it which is really interesting that like midwives and folk healers and women who sort of existed outside of the regular construct of patriarchy in you know the family structure belonging to a husband staying at home being illiterate all of that like these were sorts of women who found themselves being accused of witchcraft and to be accused of witchcraft you didn't have to do anything you could have just made someone mad Mm -hmm. (laughs) there was a lot going on at this time I mean the plague was happening there were wars out the wazoo everybody wanted someone to blame and why not blame it on these random women and -hmm. it just kind of like that hasn't changed (laughs) no it really hasn't Um, so I think that's just really kind of interesting how obviously these types of, of women have always existed but then all of a sudden With the ability to mass produce books everything Mm. changed because you can really cover a lot of ground with a book rather than just like you know going about your business trying to kill witches like now here's this book it was put together by some monks like (laughs) (laughs) it's all like there's there's some theories about um let me find find it in my notes Um, most witch hunts took place where central religious authority had broken down in border areas where Catholics Mm. and Protestants were fighting. Um, like, they
0: needed like someone else to point the finger at. That's interesting because
1: in countries like Spain, Italy, and Russia, where a strong unified church existed, there weren't very many witch trials, which is very interesting. (laughs) Mm. So we all know that like the Catholic church of, of that time was shady as hell. (laughs) So, also has not changed. No, that is very <laughs> so true. So many
0: things stay in the same throughout history. It's kind of depressing. It is
1: extremely depressing. Um, and there's a pamphlet from the 70s, Witches, Midwives and Nurses, A History of Women Healers by Barbara Reich and Deirdre English. And a lot of this has sort of been disproven in the 46 years since this came out. But... Um, one very interesting point that it makes, which is definitely true, um, is that the medieval Catholic church, like it kind of elevated sexism to a principle because of this hammer of witches book, it contained lines like when a woman thinks alone, she thinks evil, you know, it like literally said things well, like, that's, that's <laughs> true. That is true. Okay, fine. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> but like. People at that time would, yeah, like, internalize that in such a terrifying way. Um, and so, like, just think about, like, you know, some random Germanic town in the 1500s. And, like, poor people, whole regular peasants cannot afford medical care. So they can probably afford to go to, like, the crazy lady on the edge of town who can fix up your oozing sore with something from her cabinet right Mm um and that sort of became part of this problem because that was the only medical care for peasants women were not able to get a college education to become an actual doctor um so it just kind of escalated you know part of this hammer of witches says if a woman dares to cure without having studied she is a witch and she must die but she <laughs> so that's all of them <laughs> that, that's all of them and she couldn't study because she's not allowed to go to college mm-hmm. but if she didn't treat people they would die too like the whole thing is just fucked um the patriarchy just has so many tricks so many tricks it's just <sighs> it's crazy um we and i also think it down. i know it's it's such a problem um it's just so interesting that like folk healing um is like the basis for a lot of actual modern medicine like it wasn't Mm -hmm. nonsense it was real it was science (laughs) but people died because they did it because it was bad it's crazy yeah i mean even now there's a lot
0: of not you know people being killed over it but like disdain for alternative methods of of healing and it's considered kind of like feminine and silly and not legitimate um but as someone who has chronic pain i've found a lot of the more alternative modalities to be much more effective for me than western medicine like it just it just depends what the problem is all right fascinating
1: yeah and like obviously modern medicine has its place of course but like yeah it's so silly to act like nothing from this sort of folk tradition is real because of course it is like mm-hmm. i mean just look in your medicine cabinet aspirin is salicylic acid which you can find in tree bark like doctors didn't make that up folk healers did like mm-hmm. somebody figured that out and they did empirical studies long before there was such a thing as a medical degree. Um, Mm. But a lot of those people wound up being killed because they were witches. (sighs) It's fucked up.
0: So fucked up. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from Pam Grossman's book is um, show me your witches and I'll show you your feelings about women. That is so true.
1: It is so true. It is right on.
0: Mm -hmm. But now the term witch hunt is mostly used by pathetic old white men who think they're being persecuted when they're just finally maybe experiencing consequences for all the bullshit that they do. Right. Just going to say that.
1: Yeah, it is it is it is disconcerting to see that bandied about now. Um, yeah. And something that I read today, I don't even remember what it was. I was like, I was gorging myself on all of these marvelous witchy books that I have on my desk right now. <laughs> um, but I read a quote that was something like, Equality always seems like oppression to the people who have had the upper hand. Yeah, and I seen like
0: different versions of that. And it's like the problem with everything. Like yes. That is absolutely it.
1: Yeah, it truly is. Um, but yes. Uh, I would like to mention a, a few other marvelous nonfiction titles that I wish yes, I could please. thrust through the speakers to our listeners. Um, I have an essay collection here called Becoming Dangerous witchy femmes queer conjurers and magical rebels and it's just a lot of interesting um, personal essays about the way people interpret witchcraft especially through like a social justice lens I think that like the last few years for women have been you know among the rockier of our lifetimes right like (laughs) Mm -hmm. with everything going on so i think through the idea of like what can what can you do in your community what can you do in your own headspace even um so this is really just an exploration of personal power um and there's a line that's in the introduction that i absolutely love it says the difference between a witch and the layperson is that a witch already knows they are powerful the layperson may only suspect
0: oh that's amazing i know I got to read that book. I actually yeah. have it on my shelf with many other books that I still need to read. But it has such a cool cover, too. It
1: does. It's so good. It's got, like, this hand with stars <clears throat> stars in it. It's, it's, a, it's lovely. Um, so, yeah, I highly recommend this. It's got a lot of different voices in here. I really like the queer perspective because um, I think that especially when you're talking about, like, sort of old-fashioned witchcraft and this even is true of tarot to some extent like there's a lot of uh, like traditional male and female imagery mm-hmm. um there's just a lot of the way things are kind of presented uh so it's nice to have the queer perspective um i really like a piece in here by may rude who's a great trans writer for Otto straddle um yeah highly recommended it's just a lovely collection Um, And I also have been raving and raving about Dead Blondes and Bad Mothers by Sadie Doyle. And this book is like, it should be required reading for the month of October for our listeners. It's just like everything that we have been saying in all of our episodes for this month is like, this book is like a companion piece to it. We talk about horror movies and why um, young women like watching horror movies and like the answer is basically because like the world is fucking scary. So it feels empowering to like, be able to see the person who is evil mm-hmm. <laughs> as cause in regular life. You don't know who's evil. Um, and I think that's so true, but the book sort of ends with this lovely conclusion about the woman at the edge of the woods. And it's sort of about how a, a witch The idea of a witch has always been someone who is outside of society um, at the edges of things, but that means she's free. Like she's at the edge of society and she's free of a lot of the expectations that are put on us. Uh, And I think that's so interesting. Um, I'm going to just read a bit here. This is the primal threat in our earliest stories. A woman who, woman who lives on the outskirts of civilization rejected by her community a woman who is old ugly asexual a woman who is alternately too beautiful too sexual too self-possessed a woman who knows things others don't know and can do things others can't do uh, which i just love
0: oh yeah that's i gotta read that too. i love we haven't really talked about the idea of the like the crone or the hag or, or anything like that as it, it relates to which witches and witchcraft because that's something that really appeals to me because you know as women we're taught to fear getting older yes. and not being fuckable anymore right. <laughs> <laughs> but i find the idea of being like a powerful crotchety old hag who like puts spells on people to be extremely uh enticing like, yes. kind of, i want that for for my future I yes know.
1: while wearing like velveteen shawls and Yes. Many crystals and long beaded necklaces and all of that. Yes.
0: Like the older I get, the more shawls I buy. <laughs> I feel yeah, like I'm starting to transition into this life. There's like a, life.
1: a direct correlation between age and shawl ownership for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I especially like the kind where it like it looks like it's just a shawl, but it actually has like very loose sleeves so that it actually stays on
0: oh yeah because that is the one problem with shawls. yeah you gotta, like clutch them to you you do while you're hexing people yes
1: it can it can be messy but... i got an
0: amazing one i'm gonna bring to voucher con so get Ooh,
1: i am excited <laughs> it's reversible <laughs> what yeah now that the is witchcraft is <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally totally
1: yeah Do you know the poem by Margaret Atwood, Half-Hanged Mary? No. Oh, well, okay. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's like, it's too long. But basically, it is a poem that is about a real person, um, a woman named Mary Webster, who was hanged for witchcraft in Massachusetts in the late 1600s. But despite hanging from a tree overnight, she did not die. Um, She lived and then went on to live for another 14 years
0: what a badass oh i God. know
1: she's like my hero <laughs> um it's so this poem is incredible i highly recommend it um and one of the the lines in the opening stanzas says i was hanged for living alone for having blue eyes and a sunburned skin tattered skirts few buttons a weedy farm in my own name and a surefire cure for warts so this is like all of these things that i was just talking about like Mm -hmm. A woman who owned property or could heal people. Very threatening. Um, So she was hanged for like nonsense reasons. And this poem is basically like her thoughts as she is hanging there. It's incredibly chilling. And towards the end, there's this line that like, it just gives me chills every time I read it. It says before I was not a witch, but now I am one. And I just think that's so real because it's, like, we, like, take what is done to us and sort of use it as fuel for what comes next, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so it's really just, like, you know, I wasn't what you said I was, but, like, fuck, now I am. Like,
0: Yeah, I've seen that line before on, like, tote bags and shit, but I didn't know where it came from. Yeah,
1: I know. I fl- I think we both share an obsession with Witchcraft. Um uh, Oh. She yes, has she is, has yes. a poster with that on it. Um
0: that is probably at least one of the places that I yes. thought. I fucking love her. Yes. If no one if people are not familiar with Witchcraft this incredible uh designer, she has all these like stickers and t-shirts and posters. I mean they're just gorgeous. I have one of her I think we both do her nasty woman yes. sticker on our laptops. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, she. Yeah, I. I'm so obsessed with her work. Um,
0: She's from Chicago, so you know, shout
1: out. Yeah, that's awesome. Everyone should go buy her prints. Um, so speaking of Chicago, if you are in the Chicagoland area, I am going to be at the library in Libertyville on October 21st with a, a discussion panel with a few other mystery writers, including Mary Kubica, which should be really fun. That will be at um 7 p.m. on October 21st it's a Monday
0: I did not know that and where the fuck is Libertyville <laughs> so,
1: Libertyville funny that you ask Libertyville <laughs> is in Cook County but it is oh. fucking far away the library is called the Cook County Library and so when I agreed to do this well not when I agreed but when I was invited to do this event I assumed that it was just like a suburb of Chicago that is wrong yeah. it is like more than an hour to the north but somehow still in cook county it's very mysterious um interesting yeah i actually wound up changing my travel plans and decided to just drive because it's would be so difficult to get myself from the airport to libertyville like it was just such a thing i was like i can't i'm just gonna drive
0: yeah, whenever I go to Ohio to visit my mom, um, I am on the train in Chicago longer than I am on the plane.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's just going like from a place in the, in Chicago to one of the airports. It's yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's
1: insane. It's totally crazy. So yeah, awesome.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, so this is the second of our three Halloween episodes because we fucking love Halloween around here. We do. Um, and our final spooky episode will be in two weeks. Um, featuring the poet Amanda Lovelace. We had a great conversation with her. We actually already recorded that one, so I feel like I'm speaking from the future or something. (laughs) But it's a great conversation. She's an actual witch and talks about tarot and her poetry and all this incredible stuff. So keep an eye out for that.